Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode two of season six of This Osteopathic Life. We are back on what I have been calling today as the birthday anniversary, one week in to this new year of me, this new season of the podcast, and absolutely, that is a thing. And you might think, well, is it? And I have never celebrated my birthday anniversary, and I invite you to consider that each day, right, you can find those special moments, those points to commemorate, and for me, reflecting on what transpired one week ago on the birthday and pulling in those pieces that really resonated, not again to downplay the uniqueness and the magic of that birthday moment, but to say what on this day was a delight and how might I bring this forward onto this next Thursday that happens to appear one week following. And I was able to draw in some certain highlights and the sunshine came out again today. We had these beautiful opening days of February and then the gloom settled back in and that return of the sun is always most welcome. And for me, I have grown up in Michigan and we have perhaps the most overcastness of anywhere in the world. And it can seem that way. We do have some proof of that. An article was just done with the Weather Channel and in the month of January, we had access to 8% of the potential sunlight statewide. And specifically in the city where I reside, there was one day when the sun had any degree of visibility. That is pretty stark, pretty dark. And considering that when the sun does make an appearance, particularly in these February moments, it can feel really delightful, right? And lightful being the purposeful part of that word. And so today, harnessing some of those pieces that are part of most of my days, but seeing them through that lens of this was a lovely way that I commemorated my birthday last week, and I get to do that again. And there were some shifts and changes, a different type of yoga class and different consumption of treats in a certain way. Also, a run was on the docket, but I went for a shorter run, somewhat because of timing, somewhat because of some feedback from my body and learning to listen to that. But just noticing, I enjoy this and I can bring that forward. So I'd offer to you to consider your birthday and anniversary, even just a really great day or moment and what you loved about it and what pieces you might be able to pull into your current moment. I have a lot of friends who just returned from a yoga retreat, so they probably aren't going to spend all day or multiple hours per day doing yoga or being on the beach, but they might say, well, what did I really love about this? And maybe it was connecting with those other participants on the retreat, and they could bring more of that into their lives, maybe purposely sending out a text or saying to a friend, you have 10 minutes later for a phone call. We don't often get to have that voice-to-voice contact or in person, right? If you're near someone with whom you'd like to connect, Make a purposeful attempt and ideally actually actually put on paper, let's meet up and have coffee or take a walk or whatever that might be. And notice that it isn't necessarily the different setting that makes the difference, but it's those pieces that you really loved and you can pull bits of them forward into your current moment. 
So here we are on this week. And what I also loved about the birthday last week that we're making the anniversary of here is recording a podcast episode and publishing it. And hopefully this anniversary will find itself week to week throughout the coming year and going forward. I also intend to invite more conversations into the episode because those really are joyful experiences for me as well to hear from colleagues, to share stories, and to see how we really are for the health of all things. And when we have more of us on that journey, the better chance we have to live in a way that really seeks and searches for and nourishes and acknowledges all of that goodness we have within. So here on this day, I'm also on the day following a volleyball match as they have taken place on Wednesdays over the past five plus months. And this was the final one for the season. And that is because we did not win our games. And this was the elimination part of the tournament of the season. And there's some disappointment wrapped up in with that mostly because it means there aren't any more games. So for me, it's less about the victory and the trophy and the allure of that as much as there can be, right, in a co-ed adult volleyball league that meets once weekly in a small elementary school gym. No diminishing there, but noting that it really isn't the accolades that matter, but it was the opportunity, the act of playing and of being on a team, being a community and having fun. And so knowing that that has come to a conclusion, that's where the disappointment comes in. And noticing there too, putting the coaching hat on, the disappointment comes in, right? I'll miss being with the team. And thinking about that as I reflected on some challenges around the loss as a competitive person who also enjoys winning games, but really notes that has never really been what this is about. And if my teammates are listening, not to say there wasn't a desire to win, an effort to win, but it really was about the act of simply being there, of reuniting with this sport after so many years and being part of a team and meeting new people and having a lot of fun on these Wednesday evenings. And perhaps what I'm most proud of, outside of agreeing to be on the team, to being on the team and meeting new people, making connections, was that I showed up for every game. And that was not the case for the other members of my team. And here as well, not any discredit or judgment there. Things come up, illnesses, travel, responsibilities, absolutely. But it just so happened. And when I looked at this schedule, let me tell you, back in September when we received it, I I thought it might have been five or six games, as that's what most seasons are for my children, for example. If they sign up for a recreational sport many times, it's a relatively short season. So when I agreed to this, I thought, okay, a couple Wednesdays and that'll be it. And I got the calendar and it began right at the end of September and it continued on until February. And I thought, oh, (laughs) and there was a thought that said, how am I ever going to be able to make it to all these games? You know, and thinking about evening time and other commitments and responsibilities And I thought, well, it does say you can get a sub and I'll see what I can make work. I also thought about yoga teacher training last year. And it was a 200-hour commitment over a six-month time span. And it was a lot of Monday evenings and it was weekend intensives. And that as well. It didn't seem remotely possible that I would be able to somehow find that time and invest that time in that. But I did. And I'm so glad that I did. Once again, for the relationships that emerged from it, the connection to myself, to the material, and yes, absolutely to the teaching of yoga, but really the process mattered most of all. And thinking about that now and really having this craving, this longing for those intensives, which I will say 
often looked like today. (laughs) So notoriously, every time we would have a long weekend where we'd be indoors for the yoga teacher training, it would be so nice outside. We'd come from weeks and weeks of gloom and cold and slushy weather, and then it would be gloriously sunny and, you know, appropriate temperatures for that time, 40 degrees in January is this little break in the freezing cold. And then we'd have to be sitting inside and I would feel so tortured by that thinking I need to be out there in the sunshine. And now I think, oh, I'd really love to be back in the studio, snuggled up, listening to lectures, practicing teaching with my classmates. So noticing, right? We can always long for what we don't have in the moment. All of that to say, I was really proud of myself. I am. It's still present tense. It just transpired and it just concluded yesterday for showing up to each and every game. They took place in the evenings and all credit as well to my community, to my niece who's been helping me with my children and to their patience and support. They were always excited to send me off to the game to hear how it went. And I think just that sense of, wow, right? Mom's playing volleyball again. And this is something that they know remotely of my youth, you know, my high school career in volleyball, but not something that's really been a part of my adult life. And so it's not something they have seen and identified with me. And there's that excitement of, oh, how'd your game go? Did you win? How are your teammates? How are your serves? All of those questions. And it was great to be able to share that. And over the course of the season, there weren't a lot of wins. There were a lot of really close games, games that went to 26, 24, games that were well-played. But with all of those shifts of personnel, it can be difficult right, to find that continuity and that connection and that consistency within the team to just know where people are going to be. You get used to a style of play and positions and tendencies. And when there's a constant changeover of personnel, it's hard to adapt to that. And again, no criticism. It was amazing to actually be able to connect with so many different people and the graciousness of those who subbed and for those who were there when they could be and the constant encouragement and learning to also adapt to a lot of different personality types, styles of play, past experience with the sport. And just seeing that, I think, added to the richness of the experience, but it did challenge some of that cohesiveness of the unit. And near the end of the season, we had some winning evenings, and we had this momentum coming into the final game. And we had some shifts in personnel leading into that game in the first set. We were up 20 to 15, and if you were with me back in the 90s in high school, you always had to side out. You could only score on your sir. <laughs> and you, had, you went to 15, like all these different rules. So now it's, you know, you get to 25, you have to win by two, and it's rally scoring, which is a challenge, in my opinion, right? That's just my opinion about it. And also, if the serve hits the net, by the way, and comes over, you can still play it. <laughs> that one burned me a few times because this ball would hit the net and fall to the floor right in front of me. And I'm thinking, oh, that was playable and I should have gotten that. So rules change and evolve, just like volleyball used to be a fall sport when I was in high school and now it is a winter sport. So all of those, no, switch that. (laughs) Flip that and reverse it. It used to be a winter sport and now it's a fall sport, which I'm grateful that it was because it would have conflicted with cross country were that the case in high school. In any case, we're in our first game. We're up 20 to 15 and I missed a serve. I made a few serves and I missed a serve. And I have struggled with this throughout the season. And one thing that was challenging for me, (laughs) there are many, but one thing that was challenging is my serve was consistent. I was never a hard server. I didn't have a lot of force behind my serve in high school, but I was consistent with my serve. And there was also that sense of if you missed your serve, it was a side out, not a point for the other team. So just all these different ways of relating to this experience. 
And whether the neck got farther away or taller, (laughs) or just in those double decades that elapsed since I last was attempting to serve, I was not often able to get it over the net. And just even saying that out loud seems mortifying. And I think about some of the challenges were the distance to the line. We played in a very small gym, and I take a pretty big walk up to my serve. That's just, just the way it is. And I couldn't, right? There just weren't that many steps and I would get a foot fault if I did so. So I had to adapt the way I was serving. And also I was playing once a week. And in general, it takes a few more reps than that to be consistent. And I would, early on, I went to the Y and I was practicing serves. And admittedly, I just let it be. I let it be this recreational one hour a week experience. And as a result, my serve was not terribly consistent. Now I had some good runs near the end. I found if I shifted the side of the core from which I was serving, that was helpful. But serving, sometimes it's mechanics, sometimes it's a bad toss, sometimes it's a bad strike of the hand on the ball. And sometimes it's a mental game and sometimes you just you just don't make the serve. And we had one game in particular where all of us were missing serves. It was almost comical how frequently it was happening. However, in this game, I was the only one that missed a serve. And it was at this moment that didn't seem quite so critical when we needed just five points to get to the end. But in a way, I see it as this pivotal point where we lost some momentum there. And then the next rotation, the serve coming at us was quite strong. And so they accumulated points. And we ended up in this you know, near end experience. I missed another serve. And I'm thinking, geez, and when you lose by two points, right? <laughs> That's the difference. It feels like those were the two points that you missed. Now, there are a number of other things that happen in the course of the game, right? Other hits and defensive plays. And also the other team really just played well. They rallied at the end and had some really strong serves and hits. And that is okay. And it's it's okay all around, but it often feels okay if you win, excuse me, if you lose because the other team won, not because you played, had errors and created that loss. So in any case, we went down 24-26 and we had so many games in probably the last month or so of the season where we lost 24-26, right? So it's as many points as you can get and not win, (laughs) essentially, in the game. But we came back, and we won the second game. And I made my serves, although I didn't have as many, because we wouldn't often defend the point on the serve. So we could look at that rotation as a whole thing. But in general, we came together. We were more cohesive. There was more talk. There was more enthusiasm. There was great play at the net. I had some nice sets. I'm going to own those pieces because I often don't credit what goes well for me. And we won. And I, I think it was in the 25 to 20 range there. So you have momentum, right? You're going into this third set. And I thought, okay, we just need 25 more points. And then it was offered to me, no, we need 15, right? The game ends at 15. I thought, oh. <laughs> now, in the first game, that would have been really helpful, right? We were the first ones to 15, and that would have been a great stopping point. But in that second game, it took us a little while to find that rhythm and get started. So we head into this third game, and we start out strong. We have the first three points. Thinking, okay, right? We're you know, 20% of the way there. That fraction somehow <laughs> puzzled me for a moment. And then it kind of fell off. And for no major reason, again, no big errors, just things not coming together. Again, strong hits from the other team. And we got nearer to the end. The other team had a run. We called a timeout, which we rarely did throughout the course of the season. And just to collect ourselves, to come together, to be supportive of one another. And we were making that comeback. We had the serve back. And then ultimately we lost 13 to 15. And the last hit was so close to the line. I thought, oh, right, do we get, do we look at that again? Is there an instant replay here? But it was, it was a valid, you know, on the line hit. And that was the dagger. That was the end game, set, match, point, all of those pieces. 
and just thinking about it and really feeling sad that the season came to an end. And I did have that inclination of, oh, had you just made those serves? And we can't go back to that. We can't know that. Again, there's the alchemy of all the different pieces that came into play there. But mostly delighted to have been part of the team, proud of myself for showing up to each and every game, honored to have had the opportunity to set, curious to see what would happen if I did spend some time, invest some time in technique and skills. Perhaps next year will be an opportunity to play again with this team in some version. And gratitude, so much gratitude for saying yes to the opportunity, for having the opportunity extended for the connections that are arising from this group of people and from that spark that comes from bringing back a part of your youth that you really thought was not only dormant, but maybe dormant never to return again. Would that be deceased? Perhaps. We just had a field trip yesterday (laughs) with my daughter's class and we were looking at adaptations of plants in the wild. So we talk about dormant versus dead plants and thinking about that. And there was probably a part of me that really believed there was going to be no resurrection of my volleyball self. And for this to have happened, and thankfully to have happened with a relatively unscathed self, and I've shared with you that my discontinuation of volleyball, I mean, from the big perspective, after high school, I didn't play as often, but I would play and pick up games, intramurals, different spaces. But when I tore my ACL the year after college, playing volleyball, right, taking a launch and landing on someone's foot and feeling that clunk clunk side to side and if anyone has had an ACL injury I probably should trigger warning this episode just feeling like it was off limits and that the pivoting and changing of directions just really wasn't for me and I played a little tennis but very casually right and not super intensively and most I stuck to monostructural white straight line movements and then moved into CrossFit and all those places but when that invitation was offered and I said yes I thought, huh, can I do this? And hopefully nothing untoward happens. And at the very first game, when I walked into the gym, the team was playing the game prior to ours. There were always three games each Wednesday evening. And as I walked in, one of the other players went up, came down and completely rolled his ankle and was out for most of the season. And I thought, oh, geez, what am I doing? Because I can't really afford to be physically debilitated in the process of this. And I've had some aches and pains, right? Mostly because I'm moving in these directions that I haven't in the past and occasionally diving for a ball, not definitely not as much as I had in high school. But for the most part, my body tolerated reasonably well. I would modify what I did the day following, mostly because of some of the feelings around my Achilles and in my hips. And I was able to manage and mitigate in that way. So grateful right, to have come through this season without any major negative happenstance. And then to have been part of something, something bigger than me, something that wasn't always about being the best or even about winning. And again, I know, of course, so anyone in a competitive sports environment wants to win. That can be the goal, absolutely, but it can be a bonus goal. For me, the ultimate goal and the winning goal was really being part of it, saying yes, putting myself out there and maybe especially putting myself out there when I knew I wasn't the same setter or server that I was back in high school. And just recently, I sent a message to one of my teammates from my high school team whose daughter is playing in this setting and her number is 22 and my number is 11. So it's a multiple and watching these videos and just seeing the joy and the intensity and coming back to those moments when we played and my teammate wrote back to me, oh, like I would love to play with you again and have you set 
and you were the hardest worker out there. And I want to really thank her for that. And I'll give her a little shout out to this episode. And I just said, I received that. And I thought back to my experience in high school volleyball, and I really was. And I wasn't necessarily the best setter. I probably wasn't even the best server. I do believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, any of my teammates, I was a consistent server. And I truly was a hard worker on the court. And I was definitely much more willing to sacrifice my body for the ball. And I think just wisely so in this 25-year older body, maybe not doing that quite as much. But just that joy of really not letting anything hit the floor and hustling to every ball and showing up for the team. And just thinking about that, my hardest worker out there. And I can take a little thread of that into showing up for these games. And I feel it's necessary to say this isn't an I showed up and no one else did to every game, but more so me with me, right? You sign up for this. You were curious how you're going to make it all happen. And you did. You showed up for every game and you showed up for every play. And you stayed in it even when you made some errors and the wind didn't go quite as expected. You returned to that huddle and you gave high fives and you offered encouragement and you did your best. And I truly believe that is true. And looking at how that best looked on some plays, you think, man, (laughs) have I ever passed a ball in my life? But the point was you were willing and you were able and you looked the server in the eye and you stood in line with the hit and you covered the tip and all of those different ways that you're meant to show up on the volleyball court. And that means so much to me. And for me, that is the winning result. And yes, obviously, I would love for the season to continue so my teammates who weren't able to be there at that first tournament play could have the opportunity. I do hope it means we will reconvene next year. But looking at those spaces in our life, where the winning result has nothing to do with winning on paper. It has nothing actually to do with the result. It has to do with being fully present in the process, supporting yourself, honoring what you're able to contribute, offering yourself encouragement, offering it to others, and building that sense of connection. I'm in the process of writing up this experience, and it comes out differently in podcast formats in blog formation and different people consume content in different ways. I have people in my family and in my audience who much prefer to listen and others who don't ever listen to podcasts and like to see that in writing. And also for me, I process things differently and I like to see them in the different formats. And as I was doing so, I was thinking about that act of being a setter. And also in these last two episodes of the podcast, the end of season five and the launch of season six, just that idea of being more of who we are. And while I wasn't right, the full expression of the setter that I was in high school, and in this rotation, we played a 4-2. That means there are two setters. And when we were each in the front line, we would set for the team versus a 5-1, which means there's one setter and they set in every rotation no matter what. And while I was used to the 5-1, it was so lovely to play a 4-2 and to see those positions reflected and to also share the responsibility and the joy of it to be given the opportunity, but not also to have to get to every second ball, which is a big task for the setter. And also the graciousness with which my friend who was running a 5-1 when the season began to open up that opportunity for me to be in a space of strength. There was so much, so much giving and sharing and I'm feeling hearing Joey on friends and receiving 
happening. But just the generosity meant so much. And when I thought about my role as a setter and how that transpired, and I started in junior high, and there really weren't positions, right? You're just hoping to keep the ball off the floor and get it over the net periodically. Freshman year, like that starts to firm up. And this was just where I played. I know there's many more advanced volleyball at younger ages, but this was how it was for me. And really in junior varsity, right, there were these solidified positions. And it was very clear that I was a setter, right? Not necessarily even just what I was doing, but who I was. And a setter has awareness. You have to watch where that ball is. A setter takes themselves out of that first pass in general. Every so often you're in that spot and you have to, but you're trusting your teammates, right, to put that ball where you need it to be. You're getting yourself to that ball, and so many times it's in this ideal location. Others, it isn't, but you're hustling to get there. So you have this role in each play that happens on the court. And then literally, right, part of the name, you're setting your teammates up. So you're offering this opportunity to highlight the strengths of your players, knowing what ball that outside hitter needs and how to quick set the middle and a back set and using your back row appropriately. And then also reaching out for help when you need it because sometimes you are trapped and you can't get to that second ball. You have to call out and rely on your teammates. But those skills of awareness and of connection and of elevation of teammates and trust that are involved in that role was so well suited to me. And in this retrospect, in the hindsight that I have, it was such a gift to have that opportunity in a time when there were lots of shifts and ebbs and flows in my life to be able to show up in that space and be a leader and in many ways, a quiet leader, right? The set isn't always the most glamorous part, but it can set up these glorious hits that happen. And that can mean so much as well. And so to be able to see, of course, just like for me, recognizing when I learned what it was, of course, I've always been a coach. Of course, I'm a setter. And the opportunity to set on the volleyball court, yes, absolutely. And I hope that will continue to be part of my experience. We'll see. My middle son really enjoyed volleyball this summer, so we'll see what evolves there. There's many years available for my daughter to decide if that sport has any role in her life and whether or not she's a setter or a hitter maybe not a defensive specialist because she (laughs) has the height to be in the front row much more than I ever did. It's an opportunity to pass that along to coach other teams. You know, I always have the opportunity to be part of the sports community, even if it isn't my own children involved directly, but to support other children who can rise up and embrace that. And then also to take those pieces into my life, right? The awareness and that willingness to take myself out of the play so I can trust those around me Right, to offer that pass so that it can be set up and to elevate the next person, this chain reaction that happens. And to have that sense of connection and the willingness to elevate and encourage those around me, bringing those characteristics of setting off the court and into my life in so many other ways. And so it will be odd on next Wednesday, right, the anniversary of the first tournament, to not take that trip out and arrive to the gym and listen to goofy music and pull up knee pads and get so sweaty when it seems like, you know, there's so much downtime essentially (laughs) in volleyball, but you're also, I mean, you're moving when you're moving and covering that terrain. And we'll see what fills that space and we'll see what emerges in the next season. For now, I have the opportunity to take all of those lessons and the richness of that experience with me into all these other settings as physician, as parent, as athlete, maybe not just in volleyball, as writer, as musician, as coach, as entrepreneur, and offer awareness 
offer connection, offer elevation to those around me, and also to offer up that it isn't always about excellence or victory, but it can be about showing up and consistency and joy in the process. And for that, we're always winning. And that is a beautiful thing. I thank you for joining me on this journey, for listening in to all of those details about a sport that might not have any direct relationship in your life, but hopefully, right, there are bits and pieces there that can go with you into your athletic self, into your professional self, into your personal self, and draw out all that is good and wonderful and beautiful and true and integral to who and how you are, and invite you to share that into those other spaces of your life, to allow it to flavor the interactions that you have, and to invite you to consider how you are experiencing a winning result right now. This is Dr. Amelia Beaky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for encouraging me to continue with consistency in this sixth season of This Osteopathic Life. Please take a moment now and like, rate, and review the podcast. That helps others to find the podcast and get the message out on how we can all be for the health of all things. Thank you so much.